Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Okay, welcome to the first episode of the Fantasy Baseball Beat for 2024. We hope to be part of your podcast rotation this season as we continue to invite MLB beat writers, as well as some of the greatest minds in the fantasy baseball industry, out of the show each week and bring you an edge over your competitors in your leagues. Here's also hoping that you and yours had a wonderful holiday season. My name is Mike Carter, and I'm your master of ceremonies for tonight, joined as always by my good friend, co-host, and debonair, suave gentleman, living in upstate New York, Chris Torres. Torres, how are you doing tonight? Are you still projecting Michael King for 150 innings this year? Uh, at least 200. I think he's a safe bet. Um, but uh, no, I'm doing well, man. I'm uh, kind of relieved the holidays are over and uh, ready to fully move on to baseball. You know, I fantasy football this year was just a complete disaster for me. It's not my fault. It's definitely just the game is stupid, right? Like I just, it's just a dumb game with a lot of variants and, we are all in, though, on baseball right now. I've really been ramping up my prep over the past few days. Um, excited to to really – I haven't drafted yet, believe it or not. I've held off this long, but uh, probably going to jump in a draft here this coming week. So excited to get going and uh, excited to be back on the pod. It's uh, It's been too long. It has been too long. We've had uh, holidays and illness to thank for that. So let's get right to it, shall we? We have uh, two great guests with us tonight. First off, We've got Craig Mish to help us understand all things Marlins. In front of the program, Dave Funnel will be with us later to discuss injury status on some key players. Uh, Craig is at SportsGrid and covers the Marlins at Herald Sports and is contributor at MLB Network, and he's one of the best follows on Twitter if you're not following him. Craig, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. You said some of the best minds in fantasy baseball. So does that start episode two? Because that can't be me. Episode no, we, we you are lumped into that crew, my friend. Okay, all right, I'll take it. Craig, so we have a, a few things to ask you regarding the Marlins. Um, they've had a lot of changes in the front office here in the last few months. Kim Eng is out, Peter Bendix is in, Gabe Kapler was added to the front office, John Mabry is the hitting coach. Could you talk a little bit about how these changes will uh, impact the 220, 2024 product on the field? Yeah, well, I, I think right now, as as we're doing this, it's it's definitely a work in progress. They've really put a lot of emphasis on restructuring some things in the organization and making sure the minor leagues and player development are prioritized and taken care of. And that's what Peter Bendix has done thus far. Uh, although the Marlins haven't spent any money in free agency, they certainly have added a lot of new people to the front office, and I do expect that to continue. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that at 24, you know, maybe some people thought 23 was going to be, you know, a repeat where they were going to kind of run it back and, and try and, uh, you know, win a championship. And that's not to say that they're not going to do that, but thus far, the moves that they've made or the lack thereof, I, I think, kind of show you that this is, I, I think, going to be a little bit of a transition type uh, year for the Marlins where their refill, where their focus is building for the long haul while trying to win at the big league level. That's not very easy to do. Very few teams that can accomplish that. And we'll see if the Marlins can this year. Two players, Craig, that the uh, Marlins acquired midseason last year were uh, Jake Berger and Josh Bell in an attempt to invigorate their offense. Um, Do you see them adding any more bats to the mix 
this winter? And if so, who do you think would be a good fit for them? Yeah, you know, I, it's a good question, and I, and I don't know at this point what what they will end up doing. Um, I, I think trade is definitely something that will happen between now and the time that they report to spring training in February. I think they're going to try and inject some life into the farm system by trading a big pitcher of some kind. So I would expect that one of those, uh, you know, starting five that you see, or you know, was starting five in their rotation, I think one of them will end up getting moved. And as far as free agency is concerned, I mean, look, I mean, if Peter Bendix chooses to go out and sign somebody, he can. It's not like there's any restrictions on, on money or anything. It's, I think a lot of people think that there's like no money to spend. It's not the case. It's just this is the way that he operates. This is the way that generally the Rays would operate too. So, uh, you know, I, I think at this point it's fair to say they need a shortstop. They could use an upgraded catcher. And then clearly someone will have to play first base or designated hitter, given the fact that Belt can't play both. <laughs> so I guess they'll play first, and they'll probably need to add some sort of bat, uh, you know, through that. But I don't, I don't see them being in on any like multi-year significant players. In this yeah, that's pretty interesting. It seems like they have a surplus of pitchers compared to a lot of other teams that are in in similar circumstances. And kind of speaking about that. There's been some talk uh, earlier in the winter that A.J. Puck was going to be stretched out to be anticipating being back in the rotation. What are your thoughts on that idea? And if you if that happens, do you see them either going with a six-man rotation or maybe pushing somebody else out? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they'll experiment with the idea of Puck being a starter. Who knows if it'll work or not? And, uh, I mean, at some point, my guess is he'll get an opportunity start games with the Marlins because again you never I mean people always look at it as the starting five it never ends that way it doesn't even last a month usually in baseball these guys get hurt so often but it's intriguing to for me to see because he did start off incredibly April May and then sort of faltered in June and July and to me the, the one thing that I've noticed with Puck I heard it when he came over from Oakland I'm hearing a lot of the same stuff now it's just that he just simply doesn't recover quickly when he when he makes an appearance, it may take him two three days to uh, to get right, and I think that that's really what cost him the second half of the season. He just didn't look like the same pitcher. It looked like he got used a lot. So maybe giving him a start and then giving him five days is the answer to that. Maybe that's what they'll try. Uh, but you know, he and there's another pitcher that they have, George Soriano. I think that they're going to try and stretch him out too, maybe to see if either of them can be viable in the rotation. But for him to start every fifth day. I think would require a trade that would have to happen for any, uh, for me to, to actually see that through. If they don't make any deal. I can't see him opening up in the rotation. Who knows, Mike? Maybe AJ Puck is uh, this year's Michael King. You never know. Um, but uh, <laughs> I know there's been a lot. I've seen a lot of rumors about you know the Marlins moving one of their starters for a bat. Um, who do you think would be the most likely? Because I've I've heard Lazardo a bunch, but. Just wonder why would the Marlins movement at this point? I mean, do you think, Craig, that he is the most likely to move? And uh, if not, who would that be? Yeah, I probably think so. I, I think he'd be the most likely of all just because he's coming off an incredible season where maybe you would wonder if it's repeatable or not. Uh, Ray's way is sort of selling high on guys. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the, the, you know, what Peter Bendix will probably try and bring to Miami a little bit. So I, I think that he would be a primary figure, and, and again, he would bring the most back. Uh, you know, there are other pitchers in their rotation, not named Sandy Alcantara, who's out for the season, and Yuri Perez, who I don't think they'll move. 
and then you could poke holes at all the rest of their guys. I mean, Braxton Garrett, he's only done it for one season. He doesn't have a ton of swing and miss. Edward Cabrera, you know, has had some of his own issues. You know, they had to send him down to the minor leagues, so we you know take things a little more seriously. Seen can work. He's got great stuff. Can he put it all together? You're taking a chance. And and Trevor Rogers hasn't pitched healthy in two years. So any of these pitchers that you think, oh my gosh, they're going to get so much back in return for, I think is a fallacy. I think Lazardo's the only one that really would bring back what they're looking for in terms of adding to the minor league system with some players who in two, three years down the line could come up and contribute both offensively and pitcher too. So to answer your question, that's the reason why I think Lazardo is because he has the most value by far of any of those pitchers that we just mentioned. And you know what's interesting about Lazardo too is that of the group that we're talking about there of their current five, he's the oldest. Which and he's not old; he's only twenty-seven, right? Um, right. He still so has years of control too, but right. But but again, you know, I, I listen. Whether or not you agree or disagree with the approach, this is the approach. This is what they want to do. They they want to be able to look at their farm system at the end of twenty-four and say, hey. Maybe we have a few players that can play for us in a couple of years. Honestly, guys, they don't have that right now. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, one of the things that I write about uh, in my free time on the weekends is bullpens. And Tanner Scott was a guy who really came on strong at the end of the year as the closer. Do you see him having that role uncontested moving through the 2024 season? If he's on the team, then yes, I do. He's another name that clearly would be a sell high, probably, if, you know, if you really look at it that way. Uh, but yes, I, you know, he shocked me. I never thought that he could be as good as he was last year. I did not think that he was built for the ninth inning, and, and clearly he proved me wrong. So, uh, as as you know, the closing position is probably the most volatile in all of sports, let alone fantasy sports. So, you know, we'll go into the drafts, fantasy draft season, with people having Tanner Scott as like a top five closer. Uh, and, and he won't be on any of my teams because I just won't do it. But, you know, again, it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, to me, it's it's a position that if your name is not, you know, Kenley Jansen or Mariano Rivera or, uh, you know, or, you know, maybe Josh Hader, you're always, to me, I always say this, three saves away from losing the gig, and he is three saves away from losing the gig. He, he falls into that category. So uh, I don't find anyone to be in that elite category. I think they're all replaceable. And people make big mistakes on that every fantasy baseball draft season. It never ceases to amaze me. They sure do. <laughs> me included. So, Craig, one of the reasons we love having you on is because, I mean, you know the fantasy game. You you were on SiriusXM. I used to listen to your show all the time. So, like getting your perspective, especially with your knowledge of the Marlins. Um, tell me, on this team right now, who do you think is going to be I don't want to ask you the most fantasy relevant player. I mean, um, I think that'd probably be Yuri or, or Jazz Chisholm. But who do you think is like who really sticks out as somebody who could be of value in fantasy that's on this team currently? Yeah, well, look, I mean, Yuri Perez would be at the top for me because I do think that his innings will extend to 120, 130 innings, and this notion that oh, he's only going to throw 120, 130 innings. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much standard for Major League Baseball these days. It's like, I mean, how many guys are even throwing one to 200? 150 is the new 200. Mm-hmm. So to me, Yuri Perez for a full fantasy season is absolutely somebody that I'm not afraid whenever the round comes to make him my, you know, let's say SP3 or SP2, wherever you got to take him. Because I definitely think that he's in line for a big year. Uh, you know, Jazz is going to have the same sort of questions because of the health. And so until I see it, it's really hard for me 
to believe it. Uh, but the one guy I would say that just because I, I think that they've sort of given up on the idea of him hitting against left-handed pitching is that Nathan Sanchez in the outfield, his numbers may look really good at the end of the year with only 400 plate appearances because he's just not going to play, I don't think, very much against lefties. And he really grew. I, I mean, they, he was on the verge of being non-tender, DFA'd at the beginning of last year, and he looks like an absolute player for them now. So, uh, you know, if he could get his act together full-time and just mash against those right-handed pitchers, you know, he's not going to hurt you anymore because I just don't think they're going to allow it to happen. So that would be a guy that really no one will talk about that, again, uh, playing fantasy and following baseball for so long, this notion that, oh, he only plays, he's a platooner, he only plays against righties. Again, guarantee me 400 plate appearances that's plenty for a major yeah, that can have value days, you know it's like we always absolutely look the guy has to play 162 and get 600 like no one does that anymore no one there is no there's one movie bets you know that's it so mm-hmm. that that would be a guy that would be uh interesting for me and then the other one i don't know if he can play at all but if the roster would stay the way it is vidal bruhan is going to get a chance to play i mean there's no question he's coming over from tampa tampa's old G, uh, gm is is now in miami and if no one else is added, I see some playing time coming from him, and he can obviously steal a lot of bases. So, uh, but but again, they would have to do nothing, like add no other shortstops, add no other uh, to make a spot available for him. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, Bruhan is an, a guy that I've had kind of earmarked for a little while too, hoping for opportunity somewhere. Um, Craig, we're coming to the end of our time with you, and we wanted to thank you again for coming on with us here in the middle of a, another doldrum winter here in the Midwest and and where Chris is. But wanted to ask you just about two injured Marlins that are fairly or had been fairly high profile guys. We're wondering if there's any update on Max Meyer and also Sixto Sanchez, who I think is out of options at this point. Can they be expected to provide any meaningful innings this year for the Marlins? Yeah, so I sort of like have a there's a couple things uh, you know. I'll start with I'll start with Max Meyer before we 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 end. So Max Meyer to me is an intriguing name for the season because I do think he's going to get an opportunity to be in the rotation. But this would be a name that clearly is going to be on a very serious innings restriction coming off Tommy John surgery. So whether that looks like 15 starts or 16 or 12, uh, it would look a lot like Yuri Perez's season maybe from last year. As far as talent is concerned. I mean, this guy is this kid has a major ego. He wants to be the best. He wants to front a rotation. Uh, looked really good in the minors before he got hurt. Looked really good in the majors before he got hurt. So I'm hopeful that at the very least, he's a guy like let's say June, July, August that can come up and provide uh, you know a significant impact. But as far as like a season long league, I'm not sure how many innings he'd be on 80, 90, something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I would temper my expectations. And there's sort of like a running joke on Sixto Sanchez here where I like refuse to talk about it anymore uh, just because his career is over. It's finished. There's, there's, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing to say. You know, it's been, guys, it's been almost four years. You know, he doesn't pitch. He's made one of minor league appearance. And, um, you know, some of it for him has been self-inflicted. Some of it has been some bad luck. But this is just not a player to draft, talk about or even consider having any kind of future. The best thing that can happen for him would be for him to uh, get out of Miami, go somewhere else, have a fresh set of eyes, look at him, and and maybe, and maybe they can figure something out with him. But the, the only mound that he pitches off of in the last few years has been a backfield with Jupiter. That's basically been it. So uh, I, I just I have no interest in, in anything with the guy. 
game over for old Sixto, huh? Okay. <laughs> Thank you for answering that question. Uh, Craig, we know that we're coming to the end of the time with you here. Can you let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter? And I meant that, what I said earlier. You're one of the best follows on Twitter, I think. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on with us. Can you let everybody know where they can find your work? Sure. I host a show on SportsGrid every day from 11 a.m. to noon, and it streams for free. It's on, you know, on all of your smartphones and you know, and TV sets now too, with all those free channels, it's on there as well. And it's a show about like the business of sports betting, with betting just being so popular now. And, and you know, I talk about it every day for an hour there. And uh, and other than that, you know, doing some side work covering the Marlins. It's, you know, but sports bet is clearly, uh, you know, my bread and butter at this point. Doing what I do there. And as the winter goes on, maybe we'll break some news. Maybe there'll be some signings to have. It's been a very disappointing and slow winter for regular baseball for fantasy baseball. I mean, we all want to know where these guys are at. We want to in February start looking at drafts. It's very, very difficult to do. I'm very, I'm very disappointed. I hope baseball changes something in the future with this free agency ending yes. in January or just or something. We can, I understand that there's no salary cap. I'm not advocating one, but we got to be better. Well, we got to be close to what the NFL and, and the NBA are. It doesn't have to be exactly like that. Well, we can't have Cy Young Award winners taking two months to sign. I mean, if this is the NBA or the NFL, the best players get signed immediately. Same thing should be happening in baseball. And, uh, you know, believe me, from a fantasy perspective. And so it's it's frustrating for me to kind of project where guys are going to be at without even knowing where they're going to be at. So hopefully that ends up happening. And I always appreciate you guys having me on. And hopefully I was able to give some insight on the Marlins. Maybe not, you know, the excitement that they had last year, but absolutely going to have four or five players on that team that are going to be fantasy relevant without a doubt. Well, Craig, thanks so much for your time um, and making time for us here on this Wednesday night. And uh, we will be sure to talk to you again later on in the off season. Have a good rest of your evening and thanks again for your time. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy new year. Happy new year. Thanks. Same to you. Okay, everybody. Thanks for coming back. We're here with our friend of the program. I think the guy who's been on the show the most, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Dave Funnel from Fantrax, who does MLB, minor league baseball, and NFL injury reports and surgery updates in early morning, daily labor of love. I can tell you from my experience knowing Dave, he is up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time, cranking out this information for all of us to be able to have. Dave, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing tonight? I, I'm doing great, and I'm doing even better knowing that I'm I have the most times on here. I'm I'm feeling awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm I'm not sure. We have to probably keep better track of that, Chris. I, but I, I'm guessing Dave's got it. He's got to be up there, if not number one. He's got to be in the top five in terms of. Well, yeah. I mean, we haven't show. had <clears throat> we haven't had many repeat guests, so I think Dave, you, this is I think your third. It's is that right? Ah, uh, I'm happy. Yeah, I'll take so it. I think uh, I, I I think you're right, Mike. I think he's number one. You'll get uh, <laughs> something in the mail, some kind of plaque or, or something. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh boy, I don't know, man. Is that is that in the show budget? I'm not sure. Okay, I have a lot of like worthless '90s baseball cards. If you if you know you'd be interested in that, Dave. Like uh, got like some Bernard Gilkeys, uh, Darren Erstads. I've got so many of those. So I'll I, I love I love Darren Erstad. I love them. <laughs> He had he had one fantastic. phenomenal season. Remember, like he, had, I think he had like 240 hits one year, and hits like 353, and then never got close to that again. 
But the one funny thing about about that is that the White Sox got him at the end of his career, like they got everybody at the end of their career. They had Ken Griffey at the end, you know, they had Kevin Euclid at the end. They had all kind. They the the Sox and Kenny Williams were famous for that. But nobody wants to hear about the White Sox, bunch of losers. Um, we don't want to talk about that. We're going to talk right now tonight about some pretty significant injury issues that we have around uh, Major League Baseball, and Dave covers that. Dave, talk a little bit about how you got into covering injuries before we go into our agenda for the evening. What what kind of led you to this pathway of, of covering that? Well, um, a few years ago, you and I used to work together at a, a site that's no longer here, Roto Fanatic, and, and you did closers there, and I did um, injuries there, and it was just as I started to do it, I, I started to love it more and more, and it helped me become a better player, so it was like two birds, one stone. I was able to do some writing, talk baseball, and it helped me with, uh, you know, my teams and keeping myself up to date. So mm-hmm. it's just grown from there. And now here I am and um, doing some stuff over at Fantrax. And um, I'm here with you guys now. So it's been a pretty good journey. Writing thousands of words a week on injuries. It's fascinating. And I, and it's hard, I know firsthand how hard of work that is. And so we really appreciate all that you do. So, Dave, um, when we were talking about doing the show tonight, you came up with an idea that you had to discuss an all-injury-prone lineup at each position. And uh, I'm going to give you a name of a guy at a different position. I wonder if you might uh, lead us through a little bit of discussion about where that guy's at and what you're kind of projecting for him this year. Uh, the first guy that I wanted to ask you about just signed with Seattle last week, and that's Mitch Garver. What do you, what do you think about Garver this year? Yeah, he's someone that um, I know a lot of people were excited about, but I, I always worry with him because he's always seems to be injured. Um, I was looking into it and uh, since 2021, he's had two separate injury or sorry, two separate surgeries for five different injuries. So uh, he had surgery on his groin and his forearm and he's missed about 280 some days of playing time over his career. And he's only played in 450 games. So going into this season, it's almost a guarantee that unfortunately that he will get injured. And um, he's someone who's never even eclipsed 400 plate appearances. So Right now, he's the 17th catcher off the board, and he's um, at pick 198. But um, to me, he's just someone that I, I'm going to avoid at all costs because chances are he's going to get hurt. Well, let me play devil's advocate here, though, because I, I think his landing spot um, is definitely a, a factor when you're looking at his injury risk. Um, going to Seattle, having Cal Raleigh there as the everyday catcher, I mean, do you – are you as concerned about the injury knowing that he's probably going to get a lot more time at DH or, or do you just think that the guy, you know, even if he's just standing there four times a game, he, he's going to, something's going to break down. Uh, well, he just came from the, uh, he was the DH over in Texas. Like he had the same situation there and he got hurt. So uh, he missed time there. And I, I just think he's going to, Miss time, even whether or not he's catching or playing, I, I just feel like he's going to get hurt. Um, and there are times where he will catch as well. So it's not like it's just going to be Cal Rally. So I know okay. what you're saying, but I, I'd still, there's other people later than him 
that I'd rather take a chance on, like Tyler Stevenson, Alejandro Kirk, or even like an Austin Wells. Mm-hmm. Take um, take guys that I think are going to play even more and produce. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw Giancarlo Stanton, uh, how you can be a DH and still manage to get hurt all the time. So definitely not, you know, dismissing the possibility. But That's for um, sure. Yeah. Uh, he. To be honest, I don't know about you, Mike. I, I kind of... I was looking at Mitch Garver today, and I, I really like him as uh, as a. I don't know if I take him as my catcher one because I do feel I agree that there is elevated risk there, but uh, as my catcher two, I'd feel I'd feel pretty good uh, about him. What about you? Yeah, I think catcher two. That's a, what I was thinking as well. Dave and I were sort of talking about catchers earlier this week because we have no life and we're on Christmas break from school, and so uh, there's other guys that I think I would rather take a risk on. Just that I. Th- Um, Josh Naylor, uh, is a guy that, uh, is kind of climbing up draft boards. It seems like what, tell us a little bit about his injury history and what concerns you there. Yeah, he's, um, he had himself a pretty good year last year, but he's someone who just seems to get hurt. Like looking at his, his, um, injury history, um, he's been, injured a lot in the past and he's never really eclipsed. I think it's 500 plate appearances and he's never played more than 122 games. Um, he had that brutal ankle injury, uh, like a year or two ago and it cost him a lot of time, uh, at the end of one season and then at the beginning. And then he had that oblique injury, uh, this year that cost him more than a month. So, um, I like him. I like him when he plays. It's just, his ADP right now, it's at a 131. And looking at that, it's that's a big gamble on someone who could get hurt again and miss some time. Mm-hmm. So I know he's the 12th first baseman on the board, but again, there's other people later that I like even more. Someone like uh, Vinny Pasquantino, Al Ohm, or even Nathaniel Lowe. Torres, what's your take on this guy? Um, to be honest, I'm kind of, he's one of those players that I'll put in that bucket of if he falls to me, I'll take him. And depending on what first base looks like for me at that point, he's not someone that, um, I am going to go into a draft and necessarily target. I honestly had not even, I know he had some time missed last year with an injury, but totally forgot about prior injuries. So Mm -hmm. that's why we have Dave here to remind us of these things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So second base, a guy that um, has been rumored to be on the move here, uh, but nothing really has happened uh, very much at all in the last few weeks in in the Major League Baseball scene. is Jonathan India, second base for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. Pretty well documented uh, issues with his feet over the last couple of years. Where are you at on him going into 2024? Yeah, I was looking at his injury history, and he hasn't been around for too long. But he's already been on the uh, on the injured list four times in his career, and it's for injuries all over his body. Um, he had like a hamstring injury, he had plantar fasciitis, so it's just one thing after another with him. And um, he's another guy. Well, he's really talented when he's healthy, but it his production's kind of dipped over the past few years and like after after each year and i don't know 
he was 17. He had 17 home runs, 14 stolen bases with a mediocre batting average. He's someone that is probably going to get traded this year. We don't know where he's going to go. His ADP is not too bad at 219, but um, he's just someone that it's just been one thing after another with him. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people that like him. Uh, You know, Torres and I talk all the time about how I love those guys that give you the double-digit home runs and double-digit stolen bases. I'm wondering if now with all the – Feet, uh, foot injuries if he stops running and that, that would really put a damper on his value for me. I don't even know at 219 if I would be willing to take that plunge at this point. What do you think, Chris? Um, Man, I'm I'm still like a scorn lover, spurn lover. I don't know what the hell the word is, but <laughs> yeah, spurn, uh, from what spurn happened. Lover. That's, a, that's a history that you have with a lot of women, I know. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've been with the same woman since I've, I'm 16. So actually, that's not true. But uh, uh, Ingrid has put up for me for that long. So um, yeah, there's a special but, uh, place Jonathan, in heaven for her. I know, I know. But uh, Jonathan India, I mean, when I had him, I had him like everywhere two years ago when it was just really bizarre. I mean, he had like all of these like minor injuries and I felt like I was constantly getting a notification that he was being pulled from the game with something or other. <laughs> right. It was very right. strange. So that will always kind of be a uh, seared into my brain. I mean, his ADP at this point, 219, man. I mean, if he's not traded, I think that's going to be such a steal. I-, I feel like that ADP is like factoring in that he's not going to be in Cincinnati anymore. Uh, but if he's in that ballpark, and I assume playing mo, I have to assume he's playing every day if he's still on the team. Um, you know, I, I think he's definitely going to pay off at that price. So I'm mixed. I'm probably I probably lean towards being out at this point, just without knowing where mm-hmm. he's going to be playing. So do you guys sure. think he's better than what he was last year? Like seventeen. I'm looking seventeen, fourteen, and two forty four. It's it's worse than it was in his his rookie year. What do you, what are you guys expecting from him then? Like more like a 20, 2015 with better batting average? I don't know. I don't know what what to expect out of him. I don't have any reason to say this, but I feel like he's a better than a two forty four hitter. I think he's like a two sixty five two seventy hitter. The thing that I'm worried about is the is the wheels. I mean, it, it, feet feet issues do not get better with age, as we know. Um, he, his cap for home runs seems to be 15, 17, 18, somewhere in there. And if his steals drop out, you know, I just don't know. I'm not sure where I would feel. Uh, where I, I probably am going to have my second baseman at that point. I would consider taking him as a middle infielder uh, at you know two nineteen. I mean, the way that Chris talks about it, I feel like that could be a guy that rebounds a little bit with health. I'm a little concerned if he stays in Cincinnati with getting at bats, quite honestly. I mean, they've got a lot of mouths to feed there now. So, yeah. And you know what? Well, as well, as a gonna, middle infielder, that's, I think that's probably the right, the right answer right there. Well, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't have too many right answers based on my pastor's performance in fantasy baseball. So on, Mike, you get um, one, play, one every once in a while, right? No, that's true. That's true. Well, I don't, I don't even really want to talk about this guy because I know it's going to jinx it. And you know how much I like him and you're doing this to hurt me. I know you are to talk about Royce Lewis, um, who I am enamored with, as you know, um, talk a little bit about where he's been. I know he's kind of getting that injury prone label now, isn't he? 
Yeah, and the thing is, I know he tore his ACL twice, and that actually didn't concern me as much because the the risk of re-injuring uh, the that ACL it's it's actually more common than people think. But it's the oblique and the hamstring injuries afterwards that that worried me because both were on different swings at the plate. Um, so it was it was just these muscle injuries and. He's already missed 245 days so far on the injured list. And mm-hmm. that doesn't take into account the time that he missed in the minors. So right now he's ADP 51. That's another wow. issue that I have. It's this, it's since December 1st, it's, it's 51. He's, and he's the sixth off the board. So for me, that's, that's such a huge risk to take to assume that he's going to be healthy and play all year. I'd, I'd much rather wait on at, uh, third base. What do you think, Chris? Do you like Bryce Lewis? You taking him there? Not at that price. I mean, I I think he's he's a stud. Um, you know, he's another player. If he fell, I'd have to strongly consider it because of the upside. But um, at a price of fifty one, I'm certainly not reaching uh, for him. You know, and, and just the injury risk. We haven't seen him put it together for a full year. I don't know what it is with these twins, man. Like. You know, for years it was waiting on Buxton to finally put together the healthy year, and uh, it just never happened. And I'm hoping that we're not going the same path down the same path with uh, Royce Lewis. Yeah, oh, I mean, thirty home runs and twenty stolen bases—it's coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I, I cut you off, Dave. Go ahead. No, I was just looking at uh, players after him, and I mean Manny Machado's. It's that pick 68 yeah like i in a, in a heartbeat even with the off-season surgery i would take the shot over lewis definitely a safer play just want to point out though i'm, I'm pulling up royce lewis um his uh his steamer projections here plugging them into a software that i use called rotochamp which i uh highly recommend kind of like it's kind of like a roto lab or um what's the other one there's like another big one that people like a draft software, but uh, plugging Royce Lewis in and his steamer projection, he comes out as the 45th ranked overall player. So uh, according to this, he's actually being priced fairly. But again, so that's that's counting uh, or uh, projecting 553 at bats. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it's hard to kind of buy into that uh that amount of at bats but we'll see i mean if he does play i think it's hard to deny that he he has huge upside i hope so sure. I, I i do hope that he can stay healthy so especially yeah, he's he's a, <laughs> he's a really special talent for those of you who don't know i have uh, uh the ability to be able to keep royce lewis in uh, a, a keeper league that i'm in for a pretty low cost and i but i only get to keep three guys in that league and so i've been kind of going back and forth as to who I was going to keep in there. And I decided to keep him for $10, which I thought was a no brainer. And then I've got all these chaos scenarios with uh, Torres and Dave over here. My good friends telling me, Oh, buyer beware, you know, it's like, so, you know, it's going to happen. So, all right, Dave. So moving on to shortstop, somebody that's kind of flying under the radar. I feel that um, we need to bring up and obviously significant injury history and also fairly significant risk as well. Still is uh, Trevor story. Um, how, how's he doing when the comeback from the elbow and what do you expect out of him this coming season? Will he be missing 
more time because of that elbow? I I sure hope not because I was looking into it and it's he's trending in a very Rendon like profile right now in the sense that on his first team he was really durable, played all the time, and then goes to a new team and it's just lots of problems. I mean, his first year he had food poisoning, fractured wrist, the off season UCL, and it's just one thing after another. I, I looked into it too. He played 86% of his game of the team's games as a Rocky. And in Boston, he's played 42% of their games. Mm-hmm. So he's, he even struggled when he returned last year. Um, I, I hope it's just everything's behind him and he can get back to the guy that he was before. Uh, but right now it's, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about him, but he's just someone that I'm trying to avoid at shortstop. Um, there's a few guys after that I like better, like uh, Tovar and Pena. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably wait for them if I needed someone in my middle infield or if I was somehow not at shortstop, if I didn't have a shortstop. But- well, well st- story right now is the 18th ranked shortstop. His ADP is 175. The min pick on him was 92, max 226, and 144 drafts. Um, what do you think about him, Chris? I, I think I'm out on him at this point. I, I need to see him be healthy and produce again before I think I'm willing to take that gamble. Yeah, I, I'm, I still think his ADP is a little higher than I'd be willing uh, mm-hmm. to take him. I'd like more of a discount. Um you know, last year, the only thing that gives me pause in terms of fading him is he ran like crazy when he came back. Mm-hmm. He had around a 40% uh, stolen base attempt rate uh, when he, and this was a small sample, but I mean, he was obviously motivated to run, whether that was to make up for lost time or, or whatever, maybe it was. You know, the new rules, he wanted to take advantage mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if he continues even, I, I doubt he'll continue at that pace. But, you know, if he's going to give you like a 25% attempt rate, 25 to 30%, which is not like a huge jump from where his career is uh, or where his career averages. Um, I don't know. I mean, just that speed, you know, I, I think the average is probably like I think it's probably going to be on the lower end of like a 240-ish average, uh, but you know he still has some pop, so he's going to give you the category juice. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm pretty mixed on him. There are a few players, like, uh, not the same profile, but I'd take Willie Adamas, who's going after him. Um, I'd probably consider Tovar as well, like Dave. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I probably won't be going there. Uh, again, another player. If he falls, I'll definitely consider it, but not someone I'll be targeting. For sure. Oh boy, he's a he's a tough one. I I think that there's other guys that I'd I'd be more willing to take that risk on than than uh, than him at that point. So, okay, moving on to outfield, Dave. We talked a little bit about this earlier. You came up with um, Mike Trout, Jazz Chisholm, and Christian Yelich. Talk a little bit about those guys. Yeah, and. Um... Looking into all three of them, they're both going in uh, in around the seventies, the ADP, seventies uh, uh, ADP. So starting with Trout, he's it's so sad, but like he's only played in about forty nine percent of the team's games since twenty twenty one. 
And he has that rare disease that will give him some chronic back pains throughout the rest of his life, unfortunately. But he also broke a hamate bone uh, last year, and it was on a swing. It wasn't like on a contact from the ball. It almost feels like his body is falling apart, which I it, I really don't want to say. Um, he's elite when he's healthy. He's a four-category stud when he's healthy. But to me, this pick is just way too early. He's going uh, pick 72 right now as of December. Um, and then uh, the second one was Jazz. Um, he's a guy that I label as if he were healthy, he'd be a first-round guy. But he's never healthy, unfortunately. And it's so sad because he's been one of my favorite players. Um, but he's only had 400 plate appearances once. And he's mm-hmm. just had injuries all over his body, like a hamstring, a shoulder, lower back. And right now he just had some off-season toe surgery. He's expected to be ready, but it's still something to watch to make sure he is for uh, next year. Mm-hmm. And then the last guy was uh, Christian Yelich, who's had a major kneecap injury in 2019. But when I was looking into it, too, I, I the uh, current hitting coach, Andy Haynes, I believe his name was, he, uh, he used to coach... Yelich in uh, class A and he he realized that he had he suffered chronic back pains back then and mm. that these are chronic that he's going to have throughout his entire career and it's been like that so far and we saw at the end of the 2023 season I think it was 11 out of the 12 games that he 11 of the last 12 games he missed because of back pain so um, these are just three guys that all going in in around pick 70 to 70 77 right i'm i'm going to avoid them i i don't like to take any risks like this especially this early in drafts so for those reasons i'm i'm pretty much out on all three at the you sound like you, you sound like you're on shark tank and for those reasons i'm out <laughs> <laughs> okay i want i want to play a little game with you guys um we've not done this before and and i'm i'm going to moderate this and i'm Nobody cares about what my opinion is. They'll care about what your guys' opinions are. But I, we went through and looked at a number of players that had a large discrepancy in their ADP from last season till now. now I'm going to give you a name, and I'm going to tell you what their ADP was in 2023, and I'm going to tell you what their ADP is for this coming season. And I want you to tell me whether you would be in or out on that guy at that price. Does that sound like a plan? Let's do it. Okay, all right. So the first guy on the list, Nolan Arenado. Last year, his ADP was 34. This year, it's 95. Chris, are you in or out at that price? I'm in, man. That's. Uh, I think he was – I said it last year. He was going too high. Uh, this year, I think he's going too low. Uh, I think his true value is probably somewhere in the middle there. So, uh, yeah, I'll take him definitely as my starting third baseman around pick 100. Yeah, he's going. It's actually 100 as of right now. You're right. I just checked on the ADP. Dave, what about you? How about Arenado this year? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely in on that. Um, he's going to give you the power that you need, and chances are his batting average might go up a little bit from last year. So at that pick at uh, third base, count me in. Okay, I agree. Not that anybody cares that I agree. Next guy on the list. 
I will give you my opinion on this one, and I'll shut up for the rest of them. Dylan Cease, it, last year's ADP was 48. This year, it's 103. The answer for me is no. Dave? I'm I'm in because I feel like every now and then some players have a season where everything just goes wrong. Reminds me a lot of Jose Barrios two years ago. So let's hope that that was the case for Cease. And we'll go from there. <laughs> Chris, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I agree with Dave. I think there's sometimes, oh. especially, uh, especially with pitchers, man, I think sometimes they just... You know, once they get off to a bad start, like you could just see them have a bad season, like they don't have a chance to correct. Um, and I think, you know, just the environment around the White Sox team, as you are very well aware of, um, I think it's just, you know, hopefully that you make a trade soon. Hopefully he does get out of there. But um, I'd be buying in. I mean, just the strikeout upside. He gave you 214 strikeouts last year in a, in a really crappy year. So, um you know, I I'm in on him as a as a bounce back this year. Okay, so you're gonna eat that ERA and be okay with it. Oh, I'm gonna eat it, baby. Okay, enjoy. <laughs> okay, our next guy, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, ADP was 24 last year. Currently 74. In or out on Paul Goldschmidt? I'm in. I'm in. Um, I, I know he's a driveline this year. I know he's working on his bat speed. And I was reading just recently that he's working on trying to hit better on the outside of the plate where he was struggling. So uh, he's someone who's done it obviously many times before. But if you give me him at a reduced price and now he's going to work on his weaknesses uh, at, at a place like driveline, count me in for next year. Chris? Uh, the old driveline narrative. I mean, that is like a, uh, I don't know, that someone's got to like start an account, you know, just like who's monitoring or, or monitoring who's going to driveline. But um, I'm out, man. Like at this price, where is he at right now? Like 70, 70 something? When we wrote the script, he was at 74. As of right now, he's at 83. Oh, okay. So he's dropping a little bit. Um, Yeah, I just... You know, I, I feel like we could be seeing a little bit of a skills decline here, just given the age. Um, honestly, like, I, I don't think it's going to be I think you'll probably break even on that pick. But I'm pro- I'm looking at other players that I think could provide more upside at that point in the draft. So, um, you know, I, I don't see like the stolen bases bouncing back in a big way. I don't see like a huge power output all of a sudden again. So. I think the the counting stats will be there, just hitting every day in the middle of the St. Louis lineup. But um, I'll be looking elsewhere at that point. Fair enough. He's an in- interesting uh, pick there because between him and the beginning part and the middle part of the draft there, there's not a lot of options there at first base. So kind of an interesting uh, place right there. Next guy, somebody that we already talked about a little bit, uh, Willie Adamas. His ADP last year was 93. Currently, it's a 195. Um, I think I know what you're going to say, Chris, but we'll start with you. Who, what do you think on at Adamus at that price? Oh, you're asking me. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Willie Adamus all over that at that price, a hundred picks. Like, what are we doing? Why, why would we be dropping him that far? Uh, the guy's 28 years old. 
the power was fine. He did suffer a concussion in the middle of the year, which I'm sure had some effect on his end of season numbers. The batting average, I get it. It was 217. Not what you want, but um, all the expected stats were, were better than that. Um, I, you know, years prior, he's been more in that 250 range. So I don't see any reason why he can't bounce back to that in terms of average. He'll chip in a few steals. He's going to play every day and hit in the middle of the Milwaukee lineup. Um, I don't see any reason why he's, he's going that late. I, I totally agree with you for what it's worth. Dave, your thoughts on Willie Adamas there? Uh, I'm, I'm actually out. Only because I was doing some research the other day, and as a member of the Brewers for the last two years and a member mm-hmm. of the Rays, his stats are so similar that you're – yeah, so whatever he did with the Rays has been pretty much what he's done with the Brewers for the last two seasons. Now, I know he battled some injuries, you know, the last couple years, so I, I'm willing to give him – more of a shot than maybe just being completely out on him. Mm-hmm. But it's been mm-hmm. two years now of like a really bad batting average and just a K rate that's high. That's like a 26.4 K rate. I don't know. For me, I see afterwards there's, there's other players that I'd rather take like Tolvar that we talked about, uh, Jeremy Pena. And I don't know for Adamas. I, I just haven't been impressed for two years now. So I just I just like the thing I like about Adamus is that he's not sexy. You know exactly what you're going to get. You know, I don't care about his strikeouts because that doesn't bother me in fantasy. I want the 25 or 30 home runs, set it and forget it. You know, so that's where I'm at kind of with Adamus. Uh, last last guy on this list, another White Sox. Uh, I'm sure that this is meant to hurt me as well. Andrew Vaughn, who had an ADP of 136 last year, which was obviously too high. Right now he's going at ADP 213. Dave? Thoughts on Andrew Vaughn at that at that price point? He's actually, as of this evening, he's down to two thirty two ADP. He's one guy. I don't really know what the answer is. I I expected more out of him last year, but then you, you look at his numbers. He still hit like twenty one home runs. So I I don't know. I think if we're getting a reduced price, maybe hope that he can turn into a better hitter. I just, I don't know. This might actually be just who he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Torres, how about you? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, you watch a guy every day. Tell me, (laughs) what do I do with him? Well, here's the thing. I think, I, I think that, you know, the comparisons that he got being the third pick overall in the draft to being Jeff Bagwell were unfair. Um, they let him play last year. He did play through some injuries. The one thing is the guy does play hurt. We know that he plays banged up. Uh, he had 21 home runs last year. I think he's a better average hitter than what he's shown. He does not have a high propensity for strikeouts. He's got a decent walk rate. The thing that I'm interested in is where he hits in the lineup because rumor has it right now that, and I, who knows what's going to happen with the White Sox, but they really don't have a hell of a lot of chance. You know, The bottom third of that lineup, you, the three of us could hit in that lineup, and it would be better than what they're going to get. But there's rumor that they're going to ha- try to hit him second and that they're going to try to have Mankata back clean up. And so if that ends up happening with Benintendi leading off and Vaughn hitting behind him, I think that's a good spot for him to hit. And I think that um, obviously he'd get more at-bats that way. I think he'd also see probably uh, better pitches to hit hitting second. 
than he did batting all over the lineup last year. And Pedro Grafal, let's face facts. I mean, he he doesn't know how to make a lineup. He the lineup that he used last year, they, they were a disaster. Nothing that he did worked. So I'm willing to give him a chance at that spot. Again, I already have a first baseman at that point, would be my guess. I'm more than willing to take a shot on Vaughn as a corner infielder at this point. All right. If Trust you're in on, on that one. That's me. That I I would be in on him at that price point. Okay. Well, that's just me. So anyway, um, we're here again. I've I've been we've been talking about injuries online. If you haven't figured out who's here, it's Dave Funnel. Uh Dave works with me over at Fantrax and, and does a variety of different things online. Definitely a, a, a follow that you gotta get on Twitter. Um always posing questions and food for thought on a daily basis as well. We're going to end the show here, the first one of 2024, with our segment that we do that's really uh, near and dear to our hearts for me and Torres working in mental health, and that's our Mental Health Minute. And Dave, you've been on the show a number of times, and you know what we like to do. We like to ask people, what's one thing that you're doing to either improve your mental health or your physical well-being as we head into the middle of uh, winter here? Um, well, it's something that I've been doing a lot of over the, uh, Christmas break here. It's just been getting out and just being around people. Like I, for a long time, either with work or with stuff going on at home, I just, I never got to see some, you know, friends that I've had that I've known for a while or family. So just being around people, being around loved ones and just, you know, showing them the love and appreciation they have. For me, it's just been amazing. So my mental health is just being with the people that I love that are outside of this house. Is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) That aren't currently living with me and sucking my. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, right. All right, Chris. How about you? What have you What have you been doing to help yourself out? Now, last time we talked, you were you were doing like bone broth to. Weird stuff, man. Weird stuff. Yeah, I was doing the ginger, the bone broth, and we're just we're building off of that, man. So um, you're probably wondering what the hell (laughs) I wrote garlic. And uh, the reason I wrote that is because actually um, I've been using that and I'm kind of feeling, you know, another round of sickness is uh, is going around the house right now. And I could start to feel I started to feel it this morning. So First thing I did, and I do this every time, you know, you start to feel like run down, you get that feeling in your throat. And I haven't gotten sick, like full blown sick in like two years. So, yeah, I should, this would probably be the time. But uh, um, what I do is I take raw garlic, just like I do with the ginger, and just eat it straight. All right. And it's gross. It's terrible. It feels awful. But I'm telling you, it works um you know and there is like it's like more of like a a natural remedy that people use for a long time it helps boost your immune system blood flow all that good stuff um and then i also i'm just drinking like hot tea nonstop, like lemon honey lemon tea um just try to get out you know like flush my system basically so those are the two things that i do um and i think i'm just putting that out there you know it's uh worth a shot it works for me uh, has worked for me and uh you know it's uh it's cheap and again yeah no no side effects so no that's great i i use ginger all the time for my autoimmune stuff you know because uh ginger and turmeric are really good for mm-hmm. inflammation yeah. um cur- currently my entire body is inflamed because i'm fat 
Um, but other than that, you know, the having those types of uh, homeopathic remedies are really, really helpful. Oh, for me, I would say just my mental health situation here. Um, you know, obviously, last time we were on, I was talking about November being a month that I really wanted to forget. Lost my stepdad, uh, lost another family member, and I also uh, was in a pretty significant car accident where my, you know, I was without my car for the better part of a month. And um, I had a friend reach out to me during the course of that time and said, you know, instead of making some type of empty New Year's resolution, give yourself a trigger word. Now, I always associate triggers with bad things, right? We talk about somebody's anger getting triggered or, you know, things like that, especially in my school setting where I work. But when you start to feel down or when you start to feel like you're having, um, you know, depressing thoughts or getting kind of locked into the doldrums of something, you know, we, I live outside of Chicago. We've seen the sun once in like eight days. It's, it's brutal. You know, just, we just don't get sun in the wintertime. And, um, she said, come up with a word that you can use that will remind you to be positive, that will remind you to be, um, doing that more often. And this is going to sound funny. But I have a, a clicker that I use when I count pitches when I'm uh, coaching baseball. And the word that I chose for myself for 2024 is unbreakable. Because I like to think of myself as being very resilient. But I wanted it to be more than resilient. Because resiliency is like, yeah, okay, you're a rubber ball, you bounce, whatever. Unbreakable to me meant more. So I used unbreakable. And I used the clicker the first couple of days to count how many – every time I started to feel that way, I, you hit the clicker. And it reminded me, hey, this is your word. Do this thing. So I'm trying to get that hardwired. I mean, obviously, it's day three of the new year, right? So I'm I'm working on that and learning with it. But it's something that I want to remind myself of. You know, stay focused on the moment in front of you. The goal ahead of you is fine. But using that word, I'm hoping, will be something that will really kind of lead to better uh, process for me in 2024. I really just kind of want to put 2023 behind me. Although a lot of really good things happened, obviously. Being able to do this with you it has been a real boon for me and something that's great. But uh, just having that reminder, I think, will be helpful. So that's what I'm doing, and I'm going to give that a try here over the next few weeks, and I'll let you guys know how that's going and, and keep everybody posted on that. So, um, Dave, if you would let everybody know um, where they can find your work and anything special that you're working on right now that you want to plug, go for it. Uh, sure. and. Thanks again, guys, for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you can find me on Twitter slash X at uh, sports. So okay, I always do this. S P O R T Z underscore N U T T five one. I do. Uh, I've been doing an off season uh, surgery list with updates as they happen. It's been pretty dead as of late. Uh, but I'll be doing something with fan tracks, hopefully to be released soon, just about injury risk, about every uh, player, or sorry, every position, not every player, <laughs> uh, the top 25 or 50 of each position. So That's a huge project. I can't wait to see it when you're done. Uh, Dave, thanks again for coming on and being on the first show of the 2024 year, and uh, we will talk to you soon. For my co-host, Chris Torres, I'm Mike Carter, signing off on episode one of the 2024 year. Peace and be well to all of you. Thank you.